0: Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Sacrness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this summer is stressing the importance of being a good steward on the trail, finding ways to avoid contributing to crowding, and staying safe on public lands. We'll tell you how just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages everyone to come out and experience state parks during its centennial, the 100th anniversary of the state park system, especially through service projects listed online itstateparks.oregon.gov it's a way to enjoy parks while doing activities like cleaning up trails and restoring wetlands all right in today's episode we have three awesome guests who are going to talk about one thing Oregon's amazing rivers we're going to pick a whopping 20 of the very best rafting kayaking and floating trips in this fair state of ours but first here's some guitar music to get us rolling today and in celebration of the arrival of the peak summer season we are going to talk about all things h2o because oregon is a place with some of the best river trips in the united states we've got rivers that flow through coastal rainforests below snow-capped volcanoes and through deep desert canyons there are so many places in fact that i need help to bring together 20 of oregon's very best river trips And that's going to include everything from single-day thrill rides to overnight camping adventures. So I've got an all-star team of guests joining me today for what should be a really fun podcast, and I'm going to introduce them now. So to start, I've got Zach Collier, who I've known for almost a decade at this point, which is hard to believe. And he's the owner of Northwest Rafting Company, an explorer who has systematically visited 58 of Oregon's wild and scenic rivers. Uh, Zach advocates for wild and scenic river protection statewide, but particularly in southwest Oregon. So, Zach, thanks for being here. Yeah, cool. Thanks for doing this. All right. Up next, I've got Jared Linkhart, and he has rafted just about every major river system in Oregon and has been boating since the 1980s. He's often brought his family and children along and is currently teaching a third generation of his family how to navigate Oregon's whitewater rapids. And as somebody who does rafting trips with their kids personally, I really appreciate you passing down that knowledge because it is inspiring. So thanks for being here, Jared.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here.
0: And finally, I'm joined by Jacob Krauser, another lifelong whitewater paddler who has explored over 150 of Oregon's rivers and creeks, often in remote and challenging landscapes. He's the co-author of Paddling Pacific Northwest Whitewater, He contributes to American Whitewater and writes the blog Into the Outside, which you can find at mthoodh2oblogspot.com. Jacob, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Zach. All right. In this podcast, we are each going to go pick and talk about the best river adventures in Oregon, and we'll get into that shortly. But before we do, I wanted to hear from you guys and kind of what you like so much about our state's whitewater, what makes Oregon stand out or different compared to other states in terms of what it offers in terms of trips. So Zach Collier, you go first. Well, I'm going to say
2: just the diversity. I think there's everything in Oregon from like steep creeks to large overnight trips to desert rivers, to mountain rivers. I don't, I can't think of anywhere that has the diversity of trip types and geography and geology that Oregon has.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. So, Jared, what, what sticks out to you as, as somebody who's rafting a lot, who's bringing kids? What what stands out about Oregon to you?
1: Uh, so, one of the things I love about Oregon is we have a year-round season here. Our season starts January 1st and continues all the way through. Um, like Zach said, we have a lot of diversity. You know, you can go to one corner of the state and be in the mountains, go to another and, and be in a, um, a a desert setting that is completely different. And, um, and the diversity and the amount of overnight trips we have in Oregon is just unparalleled.
0: Awesome. Jacob, what, what sticks out to you? As, I mean, you explore a lot of really remote, uh, you know, tiny little creeks that only rise, you know, after the, the heaviest rainfall. I mean, as you've boated this state, what, what stands out to you compared to other states?
3: Oh, well, kind of like you're alluding to, I, I like paddling in Oregon because there's just always another adventure to be had. I've been paddling uh, as many rivers as I can in the state for the last 20 years, and there's still plenty more to do. And I I really appreciate how many intermediate difficulty sections of rivers there are, uh, both accessible and remote. You can get into some pretty cool places here without having to commit to class five whitewater
0: yeah no that's that's a great point point. and being somebody who's kind of in that like you know beginner to intermediate phase pretty much my whole life i appreciate that because i never run out of stuff to do and i always mention to people who love hiking that they should try whitewater kayaking because there's almost as many like hikes as there is different river sections that you can explore once you kind of get into it so All right. We're going to get to the rivers now. And the way we're going to do this is a touch different than normal. So to keep things kind of fun and flavorful, the four of us are going to do a fantasy football style draft. So we're going to go in order and each pick our favorite stretch of river based on stuff like fun rapids, amazing scenery, wildlife viewing, camping and fishing, all those things that we love about rivers, maybe tell some fun stories about them. We'll talk about how the average person might go about rafting or kayaking that river, whether there's outfitters to make it happen, about a little bit about how challenging and how to stay safe on each segment, uh, things you'll just need to know before just putting your boat on that stream. We're going to go back and forth. Each of us are going to build up a little Oregon River team, and then we'll come back at the end and see who did the best. This, of course, being highly subjective since everybody loves different things about different rivers. A few fine points before we get going. We're very close. Um, Well, all the rivers and creeks we're going to pick here have to be in Oregon. I've loosened that definition to allow rivers that flow into the Columbia on the northern border. Because, you know, that touches the Oregon border technically um, on the state line to the north or the east or the south. Before the podcast, I randomly picked the draft order and it came out like this. So Zach Collier, you have the first selection, followed by Jared, then Jacob, and then I'm pulling up the rear. But to keep this as fair as possible, we are going to go do a snake draft. So the order will be Zach, Jared, Jacob, and then I will get two picks, and then we'll go backwards to Jacob, Jared, and Zach. Have I made this too complicated? Very possibly, but only <laughs> time will tell. Um, but let's get rolling out. So, Zach. You have the first selection in the Great Oregon River Draft of 2022. So what is your selection? You're on the clock.
2: Man, this is tough because I can think of five right now, I want to say. <laughs> but I'm going to pick my personal favorite river trip, and that's the Illinois River. Uh, and it's, it's my favorite because it has hard white water, clear water, amazing hikes, and botany. In my opinion, it is the perfect river trip. And most people do it in three days, although it can be a little faster it can be done. It's done commercially typically in four. And uh, it flows through the famous Kamyopsis wilderness, which is a place that's that's dear to me. And I know I know Jacob loves the cameopsis as well. And Zach, I know you do, and Jared. I'm sure everybody loves it who's been there because it's it's just so unique to this world. And uh, yeah, for me it's the Illinois number one.
0: And tell me about the the launching off point. So you run commercial trips yep. on the Illinois, correct? Yep. So tell me, you know, when you have a visitor come down, do they head, they head down to like Grants Pass or Cave Junction or where's your launching off point? And then, like, take me through it just a little bit. I mean, we do
2: a commercial. We meet people in Grants Pass at a hotel and then we drive about two and a half hours to the put in. We drive down Highway 199, turn off on Selma, and then drive down Deer Creek, which flows into Illinois. And it's a good hour plus drive on dirt roads to even get to the put in.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And one thing I should mention is the section you're talking about is kind of the wild, the wild section where there's no roads. Mm -hmm. It is just isolated wilderness. When I lived in Grants Pass, one of my favorite things to do was paddle that Deer Creek down into the Mm -hmm. kind of recreation section of that Illinois. And you could get like a little taste of it without, you know, committing to the pretty intimidating rapids (laughs) and like overnight. So you could get like a nice little taste of it, too. And I always I I really miss that about living in not living in Grants Pass actually. Do either of you guys have experience on the Illinois and, and things that stick out to you about it?
3: Sure. Yeah. I, I also put up a list of rivers for in anticipation for this podcast. And right at the top of that list was the Illinois. It's a truly special place. Uh, feels unlike other parts of Oregon and really just unlike other parts of the country. It's uh, It's a special place.
0: And it feels like it's a little bit overlooked, too. Like the, Do you feel like the general population of Oregon, when they think of Great River Trips, do you think they necessarily, like the Illinois immediately springs to mind? Um, I think it's
3: there, but it's kind of near the bottom of the list. I think just its distance from Portland and the challenging access and the challenging whitewater make it less traveled.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, Illinois gets the number one overall pick, which I think is a good selection. Um, I, I like, I like that one. Um, so Jared, you have got, what's your first round pick and the second overall selection.
1: Okay. So my, my first round pick is going to be uh very close to the Illinois. Uh, the, the rogue river is, is my, uh, my favorite overnight trip in Oregon. Um, I, I love the scenery down there. I love the river. Uh, it's, um, it gives you, a, a, a diverse amount of rapids. Um, you always see some sort of wildlife on it. Um, access is pretty good to it, but once you're on the river, you don't see a lot of the outside world. And, um, and it's, it is, uh, you know, one of the things, like I mentioned earlier about Oregon is it's a year round river, so we can, we can see it at different times of year. And, and, um, you know, in, in the wintertime, you can do it when the water is higher. It's a different trip and you'll, you know, I've, I've been on on it in the wintertime where you don't see another human for the entire three days or four days you're on the river. So, and then you go in the summertime and the water, water temperature can be up to 70 degrees and air temperature is hovering around a hundred and the camps are beautiful. <laughs> you might see a bear on the side of the river and it's a, it's just a, a really special place.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that when people think of of Oregon Rivers, the rogue is probably the the first one that pops into mind. Zach, I know you run a lot of commercial trips on the rogue. So what what do visitors come down there for? Why why does it stick out and appeal to so many people, like even worldwide and to like celebrities and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best trips in the world. And it was it's really hard to choose between the rogue and Illinois for the top pick for me. Uh, for me, I just love the Illinois more. Uh, but the, what keeps people off the Illinois is that it only flows when it's usually cold, like springtime or winter where the rogue flows all summer long. And so you can go out there when it's hundred degrees, enjoy it. Then I can go out there you know, in the fall, if you want to, where the Illinois, is, uh, basically out of water after mid may usually, but what makes it really special and why it's one of our original eight wild and scenic rivers in the country is the wildlife, the warm water, the green forest. Uh, the trail alongside it that it provides so many hiking opportunities. It's just, it's a trip that anybody can do. It's the most accessible trip. So, you know, kids can go, grandparents can go. And it's, again, it's a trip really that anybody can do and everybody will enjoy.
0: So Jacob, tell me about the the whitewater on on the Rogue. Because I know among guide circles, for sure, it's viewed as kind of an intermediate river um that you know has some challenging spots like rainy falls and you know maybe mule creek canyon but overall it's not super tough but for the average person you know if you're just rowing for the first time it's probably a step above your level so can you talk a little bit about the the challenge uh, of the rogue especially in this wild and scenic section that we're talking about
3: sure yeah if it's your first time going on a rafting trip that's that's going to be quite the challenge for you uh figuring out rainy falls you there are multiple lines that are rainy, you can take an easier route, you can take the harder route, but they all require some forethought and knowledge of the situation. And then as you get further down, there's something called blossom bar kind of near the end of the run. And that also requires some class four maneuvering skills. So if it's a, it could be a good river to either just take a guided trip or maybe one of your friends knows what they're doing and that might be a good run to hone your skills in and develop some good technical rowing skills
0: yeah you know it's one of those rivers that for me you know i'm i've kayaked it uh, a number of times but i haven't rowed it and i haven't done it yet because i'm not sure my skills are quite up to blossom bar with my kids um <laughs> you know we've re- there's been a number of accidents at blossom bar and so i'm just you know i'm gonna get there but it's one of those rivers that's like that next step up from some of the easier stuff in the state. So I feel like it's one that you, you got to know what you're doing before you do it, but you also don't have to quite be an expert. You think that's a fair way of putting it on the rogue?
3: Yeah. I, I think you're spot on there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, Jacob, what is your first round pick? Okay. Well, these
3: guys for the first two picks t- uh, took two of the great overnight wilderness runs for the state. So I'm going to switch things up and go to one of my favorite day stretches. Uh, and that's on the Clackamas River, much closer to Portland, more accessible to the uh, the population centers in Oregon. And I like the Clackamas because it's just great intermediate fun. Um, you can take a guided trip if, if you're new to Whitewater and it's just a blast all the way through uh, numerous rapids, nothing too scary. Or if uh, if you're an intermediate rafter or a kayaker with a solid roll. It's a, it's a great place to just go paddle on a weekend or even after work. There's a Wednesday night run that uh, some of the local companies hold and they just go and paddle that river after work. And it's just very accessible and very fun.
0: Yeah, I feel like the Clackamas is, is really Portland's like backyard river. Like that, if you live in Portland and you like white water, like the Clackamas is, is generally your default, right? That
3: is right. Right.
0: And did you ever work there? You used, uh, it sounds like you, you guided on that trip for a number of years. So what were people's responses to it? Like when you bring people down for the first time, like what's well, stuck out? Cause it's got some pretty burly fun rapids, uh, you know, big waves and stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty scenic. Have you been back there since the, since the fire?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I guided on that river during my summers and my college years, uh, it was closed down from the Riverside fire for a couple of years and just recently reopened, like you mentioned. And, you know, while the landscape is totally different, everything looks different when you get up there, once you're on the river, uh, it feels just the same, pretty much no change to the river, just as fun, just as enjoyable as it always was.
0: Well, that's, that's, that's great to hear. Cause I, it was closed last year and that was really tough. Uh, I feel like for outfitters, for the town, and for people that just love rivers in Portland, it must have been really like having, you know, a pinky toe cut off or something, not being able to, to go out to the Clackamas. So it's great that it is reopened. Um, okay. So now it is my turn for my first round pick. And I'm going to go with one that has become really close to my heart. And that is the John Day river and specifically the lower John day river. Uh, this is a segment between Clarno and Cottonwood. Uh, So it's basically right on the middle of the states, maybe two hours from Bend and the Dalles. And like we talked about, you know, Oregon has such a diversity of rivers. And this one is, you know, pretty different from the ones we've mentioned. This is definitely a desert river, big desert wilderness canyons, um, pretty mellow whitewater, outstanding campsites. And my favorite thing really is fishing. We haven't talked a ton about fishing at this point, but (laughs) The fishing on the Lower John Day is amazing to the point that I bring my little kids with me. They'll have like a little like Moana fishing pole. Just toss a lure over the side and they'll catch a smallmouth bass like within a few seconds. Um, So that makes it really fun as well. The segment that I'm talking about is 70 miles um, from Clarenoe to Cottonwood. Um, So that's usually a full week commitment, but there's a new boat ramp that is right in the middle that splits it up at this point so you can do shorter trips which i appreciate again bringing younger kids down the river for me this place is is heaven it's absolutely perfect for younger kids there's really only one rapid of consequence and the rest is pretty mellow like class one maybe borderline class two stuff so you can feel pretty safe about doing it if you're you know new to to rafting and rowing uh, the typical season out there is April, May, and June. Although you can do it into j- July, the water starts to get kind of low. Um, you need a special permit to float, and you get that from recreation.gov. Uh, I should mention that the Rogue also has a special permit system that you need to figure out uh, during the summer. Yeah, I guess I don't know what else to say about the John Day. Jared, I know you've done it with your family a lot. What sticks out to you about the John Day?
1: Uh, so I I agree with the fishing. We we did a trip last year on the John day. And, uh, if you had a lure in the water, you were catching a smallmouth and (laughs) even just hanging off the back of the raft at one point, the bighorn sheep, the last time I did that section, we saw a ton of bighorn sheep, which is, you know, you don't see a whole lot of those in Oregon. I I think I was in my twenties before I ever saw one. And, and, um, and now that I do overnight trips, I see more and more. And it's, it's just beautiful to to see them out there coming back, flourishing more and more. So was,
0: was this one that you did with your family when they were pretty young?
1: Uh, So I think the first time I took my kids on the John day, I think Jacob was nine and my daughter was six and a half. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great kids river. It never, even if the, the water level goes up significantly, it doesn't get much harder than it is at low water. So. All right,
0: so we are through the first round. You know, Zach Collier picked the Illinois. Jared picked the Rogue. Jacob picked the Clackamas. I got the John Day. So moving into the second round, I get the first pick in the second round because we're doing this funny snake-style draft. And the river I'm going to pick is the North Umpqua. And this is my second pick, and it's a favorite of mine because this was really one of the rivers that got me into whitewater boating. I lived in Grants Pass for a long time. And people would take me down the easier sections of the road because there are some more mellow sections. But the North Umqua was the one that, you know, it, it was really fun class three rapids. It was my first time really running class three. And the scenery was just amazing. It was just this emerald forest, this emerald river. And you would just get on it and feel like you're just in like an emerald corridor um, because it was so much fun. You know, it's one of the, the great Cascade River streams. So you're getting cool water coming out of the uh, Southern Cascade uh, range, mostly ca- class three. So it's not expert level necessarily, but it's not boring. And you definitely need to know what you're what you're doing. There are outfitter outfitted trips out there. Um, there has been some wildfire out there recently uh, the last couple years. So I I haven't been there back there since the the wildfires. But there's plenty of different options for floats. Uh, the segment I like to do most is from boulder flat to uh, gravel bin takeout. It's a pretty well-managed river system. There's, there's lots of put-ins and takeout spots, and you can get advice on it. It's also great for um, fly fishing. It's a famous fly fishing stream. And while you can both raft and kayak it, you know, again, this was one of the first ones that I did in an inflatable kayak, and it just really get, got me the bug. Um, and I haven't really looked back since then. So, cause it's such a sentimental pick. It's such a great pick. It's such a beautiful river. That is why it's my second round selection. The, the North Umqua. Um, any of you guys have, have big memories or, or do trips out here or things that stick out to you about the North Umqua?
1: Um, they last week there, there were some hazard trees from the fires and they got removed from that section. So that's, that's a nice plus. Um, and, yeah, that that area is is amazing. Not only for the the whitewater, but also all of the waterfall hikes in that canyon mm-hmm. along the North yep. Humboldt. You can you can spend days out there, just you know exploring that that whole area.
0: Yeah, that corridor is a great recreation corridor. I almost think of it as like the the Columbia Gorge of Southern Oregon because of all those waterfall hikes that are really easy off of uh, Highway One Thirty Eight, which is outside of uh, Roseburg. Which I should have mentioned earlier, Jacob, you were going to say something what's what sticks out to you on the North Umqua? I just think of the North Umpqua as quintessential Oregon.
3: like when you think of what Oregon is, the greenery, the rock formations, the waterfall, the the white water, it's just all packed right in there to the North Umqua, and it's just the most Oregon drainage that I. Can think of
0: <laughs> that's actually a great way of describing it. Do you think it's it's again well known statewide? Because again, it is being down in southern Oregon near Roseburg, it is a little ways from you know the big Portland area. Do people in Portland know about the North Umquad? Does, does it have that kind of traction statewide?
3: I think people have heard of Tokety Falls. I think. People make their way down there every once in a while, but I think it's it's just far enough away from the population centers to to keep it a, a pretty wild place.
0: Yeah, and they, they, I should also mention the uh, one of my favorite things is there's mountain biking on the North Umqua Trail as well. That's pretty good. There's the the whitewater, obviously, that we've talked about, and then there's some hot springs. Um, so the Umqua Hot Springs are a nice place to go. It can get pretty wild and full of weird naked hippies there. Um, so. You know, as long as you're prepared for that, it's cool. But it's great to like do a float and then go hang out in some hot springs. And, you know, you're feeling pretty good about life uh, at that point. So running backwards, um I've got the John Day in the North Umqua. I'm feeling pretty good about my squad so far. But uh, Jacob, going backwards, now it is, it is your turn. So what is your second round selection?
3: Okay, I'm going to go with another Portland area classic and the river that I grew up near. And that's the Sandy River uh i love this river because it's got a sentimental place in my heart um, but also it's a river where you can start as a complete novice low down um, closer to where it enters the columbia you can learn how to be on moving whitewater or just moving water in general and then as your skills progress you can just work your way upstream uh, doing different sections until eventually you're at the sandy gorge which is a very solid intermediate run that you wouldn't want to do without a solid skill set. Uh, so it just makes for a nice linear progression from moving water to the Sandy Gorge. And then uh, you can even go upstream from there and there's uh, more great sections. So I just love that there's so many different sections. It's such a great place to progress and it's uh, not far from the population centers.
0: So Jacob, a couple questions on the Sandy, cause I, I, I just haven't done it. Um, can do is it primarily a kayaking river or do people raft it as well
3: people definitely raft it there there's a nice section that starts at dodge park and goes down to oxbow and it's uh, mostly class two with a couple class three parts and that's commonly rafted there's there's even a couple or at least one company that'll take you through the sandy gorge sometimes of the year so you can definitely get some rafting on there but i'd say um if you're getting into the more difficult parts of the Sandy river, you'll see more kayaks than rafts.
0: Yeah. And the Sandy Gorge is, is really a spectacular spot. Isn't it? Can you describe it a little bit? Cause I've, I've heard people talk about that. Like it's kind of, you know, middle earth. Yeah.
3: Yeah. it, it seems out of place where it is you is. You're driving up the Sandy and you often just see these, this open Valley. Um, but once you get into the Sandy Gorge, you, you feel like you could be anywhere. You feel like you're, 100 miles from portland but uh you're not you're 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 pretty close to the highway there and it's just locked in vertical walls conglomerate rock just uh waterfalls cascading off the sides there's some really special places in there
0: gotcha yeah well that's it's definitely been on the list um for a while, so Jared, uh, you are up next. You've got the rogue on your team so far, so you're doing you're doing pretty good. So what is what is your next uh, round selection? Your second round selection going to be? Okay, so I'm going to head a
1: little bit south down to the McKenzie River. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite sections is Frizzle Bridge down to uh, McKenzie Bridge. Uh, I like that section because uh, it's a little bit higher up. the The water is always crystal clear and it is cold. It's like uh, moving ice cubes all of the time when you're there. Uh, but it is absolutely beautiful. Um, the, it, it goes through a forest. Uh, there, there are many other recreation opportunities around there. Uh, let's see, there's, there's hot springs to be had. The, the nature of that river also is it's very continuous. There, there are hardly any pools on that section. You are always moving. There's always something to do. I love the color of the rocks. I love the trees. Uh, it's it's just definitely one of my favorites. It was one of the first whitewater runs I got to do when I was a kid.
0: So Jared, the, you know, the McKenzie being outside of Eugene, I know uh, there's plenty of outfitters that run it, but I also know that there's a lot of different segments of it, ranging from like really pretty easy to, to slightly more challenging. So can you talk about kind of the progression that there is? Is it, you know, uh, I think it's what Olali to Paradise is, you know, on the more challenging side upstream, and then it gets kind of easier as you gradually get down. Is that a fair way of putting it? Uh, yeah,
1: definitely. Um, once you get below about <clears throat> uh, Bruckert Bridge, it starts to change into more pool drop. Um, it's it's mostly Class Two. There are still some some larger rapids um, like Martin's that. There, there's one run going into martins it's it's a, it's very class 2 for almost the whole way and then there's a big rapid right at the end and then it's time to take out and uh and that's it's a fun run too um it, and and the scenery starts to change when you go downstream a little more you see more houses and, and more people um and, and yeah the farther down you go the you know you, you can you can really just like jacob was saying about uh, the sandy river you can start close to town in eugene Where it's an easy class two float and you can kind of hone your skills. And as, as you progress, you can just go upstream to more challenging whitewater.
0: Great. That sounds like any, any thoughts on the McKenzie, uh, Zach or Jacob? Uh, I'll jump in. Sure. Um, I've really enjoyed
3: that drainage the few few times I've been there. Um, It's also like the North Umpqua got some pretty cool waterfall hikes nearby. And if you're a kayaker, there are some tributaries that are really fun to paddle as well.
0: Yeah. If you get into the the more advanced stuff, I know that the, the McKenzie drainage has some really good stuff. So if you, you become one of those whitewater kayakers, who's going all year round, you've got a dry suit on, uh, you often see like professionals like launching off of uh, a Falls, uh, upstream. That seems to be a pretty common one. I saw Dane Jackson, like did a backflip off of this, like, you know, almost hundred foot waterfall lately. So you can get the more extreme stuff in there if if you know the the lower down stuff isn't isn't enough for you. All right, so we've got let's see. Jared's got the McKenzie and the Rogue. Jacob has the Clackamas and the Sandy. I've got the John Day and the North Umpqua. Zach, where where are you at? You've got the Illinois. So what is your second round selection? Oh,
2: you guys have left me a great one. I feel like I'm getting a Tom Brady here in the fantasy football. <laughs> uh, the Hawaii. The Wahi is just a mecca for whitewater boating. A lot of people call it the Grand Canyon of Oregon. It has that Grand Canyon feel with the big, the big walls. Uh, there is a couple sections in Oregon. There is the normal Class Three section from Rome to Birch Creek, or there is the middle section that's Class Four with the big portage and Class Four rapids. It's a place that's famous among birders. If you love birding, it's a must go place in Oregon. Uh, minimal light pollution, almost none, so the night nice sky is unreal out there. Uh, if you're if you're a astronomer, astronomist is that a word? An astronomy person, an astrolog- I astro. I think astronomer. I think astronomer. Astronomer. If you're an astronomer, you'll just go crazy out there. Uh, unreal hikes up to dramatic views of the canyon, hot springs. Uh, the geology is super unique with all the basalt and rhyolite. Uh, it's just amazing. So tell me a little bit more about the location because this is a, this is probably
0: as far out as you can get um, and still be in Oregon. So how far is it from the major population centers and what does it take to like put, put together a trip out here? Cause I know there's outfitters, but what's, what's, what's involved with getting on the Owyhee?
2: I mean, it's the opposite corner of Oregon as Portland. That's true. But if you're in Boise, it's really close. So it mm-hmm. depends where you're coming from. I mean, I would say there's parts of Southern Oregon on the coast that are maybe further away than the Owyhee. Uh, but to do a trip out there, just, just go out there. Yep. I mean, you either go with an outfitter who has all the equipment, or you have your own boats and you can drive straight to the put in at Rome. Most people camp the night before and launch the next morning, and then have a local shuttle company shuttle the car to the end.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, and there's two. So there's two segments you talked about. Are both of them? You know, they're obviously overnight trips yeah. where you're camping on the river. Um, how long do they typically take? That that kind of lower section that you talked about. That's like you know, class three, a little bit easier, and then the more challenging upper section what are the differences and like and how long does it take to do them
2: well the lower section from rome you either go from rome to birch creek or rome to leslie gulch depending on how you do it most i think most people take it to birch creek it's generally a five-day trip it can be done in three it can be done in seven but it's generally a five-day trip uh the middle section this is called the middle it can be done in two but it's better done in three or four and it's just a kind of a, a deep vertically walled canyon so the middle section is a little bit more dramatic in terms of the scenery. You just see these vertical walls all the time. And the lower I would say is more varied in the scenery. It has more variety of of things that you go by geologically.
0: Yeah, and I should mention that uh our friends at Oregon Field Guide did a cool episode mm-hmm. on the Oahi pretty recently. So if you want to get some really good footage and get a real real feel for it plus the geology, which was kind of their their focus, um it's definitely worth mm-hmm worth checking that out um jared or jacob any anything about the Awahi that uh, sticks out to you i feel like i feel like collier did get uh, a pretty good steal here um because that is that is an awesome river but anything else that jumps out to you guys about it
3: it's been a really long time since i've paddled it but i always remember these domes that were capped with this white chalky looking stuff and the image of those domes has stuck with me for well well over a decade
0: yeah. Jared, what about you? Anything that sticks out? Have you been out to the Oahi and anything that, that, you know, really hits home about it?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so I've been out there a few times. Um, the Oahe is amazing. It is the, the most remote area you can be in Oregon on a river. It's uh, you know, once you launch, it's you're probably not going to see any outside human influence once you're there. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, the vertical walls are amazing. Um, uh, Pruitt's Castle. That, that area is beautiful, which I think is, is what uh, Jacob was referring to. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's just like it's nothing else in Oregon. There, there's a, a reason why they call it the, the Grand Canyon of Oregon, because it's about as close geologically and that you can get here in this state.
0: And Zach, uh, real quick, the season on the Awahi, I know can be tricky mm-hmm. because it's highly influenced by snow melt yeah. off the mountains, correct? I mean, what is the typical season for floating the Awahi? You know,
2: it can go from early March to early June, but the most reliable time would be the end of March, beginning of April, because flows can mm-hmm. peter out if there's no snow or there's just some weird heat wave that comes through and melts all the snow. So, you know, every time you plan on an trip, you have to have a backup just in case the water's not there.
0: Gotcha. And it, this was a pretty good year on
2: the Awahi, wasn't it? (laughs) I mean, it turned out to be a good year, but I mean, we had, we had five trips planned and we had canceled four because it looked like there'd be no snow or no water and then the water magically appeared. So we didn't, we didn't need to cancel all those trips. It's it's an erratic place. Uh, And this year was especially tough to figure out.
0: Yeah, well, that's the, you know, with some of these desert rivers, it's uh, it's it's kind of a crapshoot to, to see whether they're gonna yeah. be rolling or not. So, all right, wow, that's that's pretty strong, Zach. You've got the Illinois and the Awahi, I feel like you're doing pretty well there, Jared. You've got the Rogue and the McKenzie so far, and uh, you're up to make your your next no zach you are pick. yes you get another one i tried to i was so jealous that you got the illinois and oahe i tried to skip you uh, but no you
2: get another one so what What do you got for your third round i'll, I'll take one worth less points but i think is really special and that's the crooked river and it's not one that you can book as a commercial trip it's not a commercial it's mostly for kayakers and rafters it flows near bend uh just north of bend a lot of people if you drive to bend from from hood river portland you've driven over the bridge that crosses it and I wouldn't normally pick such an erratic run, but it's that good. It has big class four rapids, one class five, again, a big desert canyon. Uh, it's complicated logistics and it only flows like four or five days a year at the most. So it's again, it's hard to get on, but it's a, one of the, my favorite trips I've ever done anywhere.
0: And that's the one that goes through Smith yep. Rocks. So, are you actually floating through Smith yep. Rocks State Park? Yep.
2: Yep. You launch just above there. You you launch a few miles above. You do like a mile and a half of just nonstop class four, and you just get this beautiful float through Smith Rocks where you're looking up at people rock climbing. I mean, I've made <laughs> eye contact with the rock climbers before from a raft, which is really cool. And at Rafter Smith Rocks ends that little flat section. It gets it gets pretty busy again.
0: Yeah, well, I'm curious. Like, do you, do you like float past hikers who yeah. are just like, what in, the, the, <laughs> what, what's happening here? Like, I didn't know this was possible. Do you get a bunch of gawkers?
2: Uh, you know, usually when we're there, I don't remember seeing many hikers. I just remember seeing a lot of a lot of climbers. Uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely not a normal thing to see a raft floating through there. Uh, but when the season where the four or five days a year when there is water rafters and kayakers throughout the state and even beyond Oregon flock to there because it's such a special gem. So when it is running, it's pretty common to see a lot of boaters on the water.
0: And what does it take for it to be running? Is it like super heavy rain in central Oregon that's, that's just so rare? Or what, what, Like, what
2: combination of things do you need to make it happen? It's a good snowpack, but also there's a bunch of diversions and dams upstream. So it's just when they release. So there's kind of Uh-oh. no rhyme or reason. It just happens to be, if there's not a good snowpack, it won't run at all. But if there's a good snowpack, they're more likely to release water from the dams and it's a super complicated system. So it's it's a bit of luck.
0: Gotcha. Well, Crooked River. Yeah, that'd definitely be on the bucket list. Jared or Jacob, have either one of you guys been able to to jump on on the Crooked at any point?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's I think Zach summed it up pretty well as it's just one of the more special rivers in Oregon and, and when it's in, people flock there. And if it ran more often, it would it would see a lot more use. Uh, yeah, I grew up with stories from my dad that was one of his favorite rivers growing up, and so getting to paddle it for my first time was uh, a cool experience for me. Uh, remembering all those stories that he had told me, and then getting to live them for myself.
2: I mean, if there was a dam above it that controlled the water, I don't. I'm not advocating for dams, but you know, if there was a dam that controlled the water flow and reliable put in and take out, it would be probably the most popular day trip in the world. It's stunning. I'm Travis Joseph. I grew up
3: exploring Oregon's forests, mountains, lakes, and rivers with my family. Today, I lead the American Forest Resource Council. My love of the outdoors inspires me to advocate for better stewardship of our public lands and natural resources. At A4C, we value protecting Oregon's forests and the benefits they provide to all. Clean air and water. Healthy wildlife top-notch recreation, and renewable climate-friendly wood products. We're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more about us at amforest.org.
0: So Jared, uh, this is your third round pick. So, So what are you going with next?
1: Okay, I'm going to go with one of the most popular runs in Oregon, and that would be the Deschutes River. Um, there, there are several sections of the Deschutes river. The, the, the part I want to point out or start with is, uh, the moppin' splash and giggle, uh, harpum to Sandy beach run that, uh, is, is so well known here. Um, it's, it's, uh, very commercial. There are a lot of, a lot of different outfitters you can go with over there. Or if, uh, if you've accrued some skills, you can do it on your own. Um, it's, um, one of the things I like about it is the weather is always better in central Oregon than it is in the valley. And uh, so you can go over there when, when uh, you know, sometimes it'll be raining going over Mount Hood. And by the time you make it into Maupin, it will be, you know, 75 degrees in the morning and there's not a cloud in the sky. And, um, and it's, uh, it, there's always plenty of water in the Deschutes River. Uh, flow is never an issue. Um, and it's it's just a larger river than a lot of the Willamette River or the Willamette Valley rivers that we're we're used to over here. So it's fun to to paddle with a a little bit more big water character, even in the middle of summertime. Well,
0: Jared, tell me about the the camping on the Deschutes and the lower Deschutes because I know that's a, a big thing out there. People load up their boats. Um, you know, with all kinds of stuff and then, you know, really look for what it's sandy beaches and nice weather. So, so tell me about the, the kind of camping and overnight experience that you get on the Deschutes.
1: Uh, so we love it. We were actually over there uh, a couple of weekends ago for Father's Day weekend. We did the upper Deschutes from Trout to Maupin and, um, we, we like that section, uh, the, a lot of the, the larger campground areas have Phoenix toilets, which are probably the best outdoor toilet in the world. Um, so you don't have to use your own. They, they don't have any kind of a smell when you enter them. Um, and the, the camps are really nice. A lot of them, they have they have pretty good tree cover. Um, and there's a pretty good campsite selection up there. Uh, we, we picked one. Um, at Davison flat this year that, uh, we were in a little grove of trees and it was just, um, it's just a, a really fun time. And, and there is actually a pretty diverse amount of wildlife that you can see on that run. Um, our last time we saw bighorn sheep, wild horses on the Indian reservation across from camp. Uh, we saw a flock of pelicans and we saw a raccoon, um, trying to get something out of the water. And uh, and there are a lot of birds, a lot of birds of prey over there. Also, that you can watch. You can watch them fish. You know, they're they're actively looking for dinner right in front of your camp. So, uh, Jared,
0: tell me about the the challenge of the whitewater out there. Because again, is does this Is this a beginner river? Is it intermediate? Like, how much rowing experience and or paddling experience do you need to to be able to navigate it? So, what kind of class of rapids? What do you need to look out for? um, in, in that terms on, on the
1: Deschutes. So on the upper section in between Warm Springs and, and Maupin, there is one big rapid that, uh, that can catch people and that's White Horse. And that is a rapid that you, you do have to have pretty good rowing skills to get through it. You have to avoid some rocks. And if you don't, they can really uh, make your day go South. Um, (laughs) and, and, uh, on the lower section, so from, from below mop and below shears falls out to the mouth, that section I would consider a little bit easier. So there are class three rapids down there, but most of those, they have a very clear path through them. It's easy to avoid the larger features that could get you in trouble. I would consider it a little bit easier for, for beginners and, and, um, and I've taken newer boaters down there and we haven't had any problems. I just, you know, I, we stick them in kind of the middle of the more experienced people and, and we tell them just to follow us through and, and they stay out of the holes and don't get hung up and, and everything goes well. So I, and there are a lot of people in Oregon that they don't, they don't necessarily raft the the rest of the year, but they feel confident enough to go over and, and challenge those rapids on the, on the dischutes pretty much exclusively.
0: Uh, Jacob or Zach, any other thoughts that we didn't hit on the Deschutes? I mean, this is—I don't know—maybe the Rogue or the Deschutes. I mean, those are probably the two most commonly run outfitter rivers in the state. Would you say that that's true?
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. There, uh, there's even a TV show coming out about uh, raft guides on the on the lower <laughs>
0: Deschutes. Yeah, that's it's a it looked like kind of like a it's like a party scene for for like the out for the guides and stuff that live there and like it's it's pretty wild is that kind of the theme of it
3: i I think that's what they're going for with the show yeah
0: (laughs) all right well that sums it up pretty well all right well jacob uh we're coming up to you and this is going to be your third round selection you've got the clackamas and the sandy two pretty portland-centric rivers so where are you taking us for a number three so
3: i might be bending the rules a tiny bit here but uh bear with me here um So Jared was describing the Deschutes River from Lake Billy Chinook down to the Columbia. And what I'm going to take for this pick is the Deschutes River above Lake Billy Chinook. And this is coming a bit from a kayaker leaning perspective, but with uh, plenty of options for rafting too. And the river above the lake is a little more advanced. um, So it's more of a place if you're already a bit of a a boater um, That's a great place to go in the summer when all the other rivers have dried up because it's a very consistent release into of of water into the river so the town of bend uh, recently installed a whitewater park right in the middle of town and so you can go there you can learn some of your kayaking skills or if you want to do some rafting there is a section called the big eddy section that allows that, that does some guided trips, do some runs on that section. And then if you want to take your boating to the next level, uh, either in a raft or a kayak, there are a few larger rapids upstream that were created when ancient lava flows blocked off the river, the river burst through those lava flows and created um, some class four and five rapids. So it's got a diverse amount and type of whitewater and it has whitewater late into the summer. And so that's that's going to be my pick for, for this round.
0: Awesome. That sounds good. And that in, I mean, how many people uh, typically run that? Is that sort of a, an exclusive crew or, uh, I mean, is there any outfitter options up there? Or is it just, is it, you know, kind of that different level?
3: Oh, no, uh, the Big eddy section up there gets run every single day by, on guided trips. Um, some guided trips do the same guide will do multiple trips down that section every single day. So it, it gets lots and lots of traffic on the big eddy section of the shoots.
0: Gotcha. All right. So it has come to me and my third round selection. And I do appreciate you guys uh, holding this on for me. I'm going to, I'm going to finally select the, uh, the North Santium river, which is right in my backyard. And it's kind of, it's kind of my backyard stream that I run all the time. I think, you know, the thing and Jared, you've mentioned this when we've talked about the North Sanding before is it's a great like training ground for beginners because there's kind of two whitewater sections that are primarily run. There's the pack saddle section, uh, which starts at, uh, you know, a park of the same name. It's just above Mill City and it's, you know, it's class three ish, Um, but, you know, it's not very hard class three. Um, but it is, you know, it's a beautiful river. It runs all year round and it's just a great place to, you know, if you're, if you're rafting, you can kind of learn techniques there. If you're kayaking, it's a great, great place to start. There's, you know, probably three class three rapids, uh, Spencer's hole carnivore, and then mill city falls, which are, Fun, but not necessarily imposing. Um, so it's kind of low consequence. It is pretty cold for sure. So if you fall out of your boats, um, I was I was floating it the other day and it had, I think the air temperature was 97 and the water temperature was about 50. Um, so when I jumped into the water, it was an incredible shock to the system. <laughs> so you've got that section, that upper section, the, the pack saddle run that goes down to about Mill City or Fisherman's Bend. And that's, you know, class three-ish. And then just below that, there's an even easier section where I've been taking my kids for a long time, and that is Fisherman's Bend to Mahema. And, you know, again, if you haven't done much rafting and you're just wanting to learn, it's a great place to do it. The scenery is great. Um, most people will, will recognize the North Sanium uh, did, was heavily impacted by the Labor Day fires. Uh, the wildfires just like tore down the Sanium Canyon, but surprisingly... I mean, it has rebounded really quickly. You can go out there, and you can definitely tell that there was a fire recently, but it doesn't like smack you in the face. And if it was your first time, you'd never been on it before, you'd be like, "Oh, something happened here," but I'm not exactly sure what. So it's not the sort of devastation uh, that we were seeing early on. You know, nature heals after wildfires. What else to say about the North Saniam? Um, fun fishing right now. People are catching uh, spring chinook uh, out there, and and that's great. Uh, I'd love to combine rafting and fishing that's probably my favorite thing to do and the North Sanium is a good place to do it especially in the fall uh for trout and let's see Jared or Jacob what what am i missing about uh, the about the North Sanium i know there's some other runs on it that are that are more whitewater kayak friendly so do you, Jacob do you want to talk about you know the Bruno run and maybe the Niagara run that are upstream and a little more you know complicated
3: sure yeah to tie it in i'll start with um actually there's a feature on the pack saddle run that is very popular with kayakers and that's called spencer's hole and it creates a wave like you might find in the ocean that people like to surf but (laughs) it stands still and so kayakers like to go there surf that wave do tricks and uh, i have friends that have spent all day there just doing that one feature so that's pretty cool as you move upstream there's something called the niagara run which is mostly class three whitewater, but with two uh, more serious rapids that are a little difficult to portage. And because they exist, it makes it a not very beginner friendly run. If you're an intermediate boater though, and you're going with some more advanced boaters, um, you can definitely get through the run if they're guiding you down. I've taken family members down that run in in an inflatable kayak. I even have a friend who has intertubed it, but I would highly recommend
0: do not do that. <laughs> um, I, I got to. I I have to jump in here just because I think it was last summer. So last summer was a, a tricky one on the North Sanium because both Pack Saddle and Fisherman's Bend were closed because of wildfire impact. So people were kind of looking for ways to get on the river that maybe they hadn't before, and so there was like a group of guys in inner tubes and like a you know a raft they bought at Walmart. Who tried to do the Niagara run, and things went very badly. Suffice to say, like they were, they were they were like you know they had beer in like a little cooler floating behind them, and then they're going through like really serious whitewater, and it turned out into a very bad situation. They had to be rescued by helicopters, search and rescue went out there. They got flipped. Uh, it was a total gong <laughs> show that shut down Highway 22 for I, like half the day. Um yeah. Jared, I, I you you were out there so. <laughs> lots of caution. Like if you're going to do the inner tube stuff, like at least go down <laughs> to pack saddle. Don't, don't do the Niagara for God's sake, unless you have Jacob with me. <laughs> yeah.
3: And it's probably worth mentioning that section of
0: river just
3: for the fact to get that on people's radar, that that is not a safe section to just
0: jump into. <laughs> and that, and you put in for that one, like just below big cliff, like yep. there's like that little pull out and that you just pop down there. Yep. Well, I, You know, we should both hit on Bruno because I think Bruno is it's Bruno is above uh, Detroit Lake. So Detroit Lake, you know, controls the flows. And it's one of the reasons that the North Sanium has this wonderful uh, water all year and you can run it all year Um, above that is a real gem. It's called the Bruno run. And it's mainly kayakers. I'm sure people bring rafters down it, but it's kind of a winter and spring run. It's gets the water flowing off of Mount Jefferson. You can actually get views of Mount Jefferson up there. It's just nonstop class three borderline class four. It's really, really fun. Uh, Probably one of my favorites. Um, Other things that stick out to you about Bruno or even upstream on the North Sanium, Jacob, before you put the the Sanium to bed? Sure.
3: That Bruno Mountain section is just very long and there's rapids the whole way. It's a ton of fun without a whole lot of consequence for advanced boaters. If you were to come out of your boat, though, you'd end up swimming for quite a ways. So that's why it's not a great one to just jump onto.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, as more of an intermediate kayaker, it was just it was great because it would like push my limits but I never felt necessarily scared on it and the there's there's a spot there called uh, Mount Jefferson Eddy or some people have different views of it's pretty rare to have a view of Mount Jefferson from the river in fact I don't think there's any but at this one spot it's one of my favorite like visual spots ever because you've got the green corridor of the North Sanium and then just right above it is a great picture of Mount Jefferson and so it's just this really beautiful spot that you can't get from anywhere except on the river and it also runs a little bit later if it's a good snow year, like, you know, you, you can do it into the spring. And so that's when I, when I really appreciate it. So, all right, we're doing the snake draft. And so I'm going to turn around and I'm going to bend the rules here and I'm just going to go ahead and pick the white salmon, which is definitely a Washington river, but again, it flows into the Columbia. So we are adopting uh, the white salmon. That's that's just how it goes. Um, I have to shout out Zach here. Zach is the one who took me down both uh, of the kind of commonly run segments of the white salmon. And I think for me, it sticks out. I mean, it's basically you're floating down a lava tube. And uh, for reference, this is just across from Hood River. So it's uh, people from Portland, I think, go out to the white salmon pretty frequently on like corporate retreats and stuff. There's a ton of outfitters out there. Um, but what makes it special to me is just you're in a essentially a lava tube with this you know amazing blue water, really fast water, um, you know, continuous rapids the whole way. There is uh, what is it, the most commonly run waterfall, commercially run waterfall in the United States, Houston Falls, um, where it's fun to watch people, you know, go <laughs> off and like, you know, you know, eat it and fall out of their rafts all the time. so it makes for pretty fun watching and then the one thing i wanted to to point out was and zach you took me down the lower segment where the dam uh was removed um is a really interesting cool place to go you can see the river kind of healing after the dam has been taken out for quite a few years now Um, you go through the narrow section and that's really cool you can almost stretch out your arms and touch both walls it's so narrow um zach you know again you were kind of my gateway to to doing the white salmon so What other things stick out to you about that river, and uh, you know why? Why is that a cool place?
2: Well, there's the middle section, like you mentioned, and the lower section. And the middle, I think, is the best half-day trip out there because it just has rapids. It's just fun. There's not like long pools to paddle through, and not not threatening rapids. It's a trip most people can do, but fun. And like you said, really beautiful. And and on a hundred-degree day, you walk down that canyon, and all of a sudden it's seventy and super cold water. So it's a great way to cool off in the summer. Uh, and it finishes with Houston Falls, which is a pretty big waterfall and a raft that you can't you can get hurt on. It's not Disneyland, but it is repeated all the time. So if you want to go over a 10-foot waterfall, it's an option on trips. And then the lower, lower we call it the lower, lower, because there's also the section, the lower in between them. I know that's really confusing. Uh, but the lower, lower where the dam was, you wouldn't even know the dam was there anymore. Honestly, like if you mm. went tomorrow, you'd be like, I, don't, I have to point it out to people that it was there because it's recovered so well and it's just stunning It has cool rapids there's a portage you have to be careful at the portage but it's a stunning river it's really beautiful and really unique like geologically unique
0: and it's just it's a fun place to look at you know the legacy of dam removal like it's like you like you mentioned like can you see because i remember when we did it it was pretty quick after it had been removed and you could still see some of like the The old like pillars
2: and stuff like, so is all that
0: gone? gone and like, is there no evidence whatsoever of it?
2: I mean, there's places I could point out to you now where you can see where the lake was. There's like a little white layer that was where the lake was. And you can, if I pointed out some places, you'd be like, oh, that's true. There was probably water here, but you'd have to know where it was. You wouldn't be able to see it on your own without a keen eye.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember that, that we passed like a, a rope swing at one point <laughs> that looked super illogical because like there used to be the reservoir there that people would swing yeah. in there. And now it's like it would be a death trap because it's like 50 feet above the yeah. river at this point. So, oh, that's really cool. Well, the white salmon is just it's it's unique for a number of different reasons. So, you know, that's why I'm adopting it for Oregon uh, in this case. So, all right. I've got the John Day, the North Umquad, the North Santium and the white salmon. I f- I'm feeling pretty good about my selections, but uh, Jacob, you're up next. You've got the Clackamas, the Sandy, and the Upper Deschutes. Uh, so what, what's next for number four? Okay, I'm going to grab
3: one here that I I happen to know the other Zach knows a lot more about than I do, but it, I've done it just once, but it was special enough that I want to add it to my draft here. And that's the North Fork Smith down at the southern border. And similarly to the White Salmon, it's actually just – barely crossed the border into California, mm-hmm. but it's so special that it deserves a mention here. And I'll let, uh, I'll let other Zach, uh, talk a
2: little bit about it. Well, it actually starts in Oregon too, which makes it relevant, even though the part we normally raft is in or- California, it does start in Oregon. So it definitely counts. I'll just say a couple things. It, it flows through this serpentine geology. That's red has a reddish look to it. That makes it look like you're rafting through Mars. It's just this cool red rock with sparse vegetation, and because of the unique geology, there's really unique botany, including the famous Darwintonia, the pitcher plant that eats insects, and just the white waters, you know, Class Four, lots of fun Class Four, and really clear water. It's, um, and I know other Zach, this place is special to you too. Uh, it's, it's again, <laughs> I keep saying this, these are special places in the world, but as a, as as a place to go, I, I, it's unreal.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zach, you and me got together and we did an episode of Oregon Field Guide on the North Fork mm-hmm. Smith. And honest to God, I'm really kicking my. I can't believe I didn't pick this with uh, my fourth pick. So well played, Jacob. Um, what can I add about that? I mean, the theme of we did kind of a mini documentary again for Oregon Field Guide, and I think the theme of it was, like he said, it's it's looks like you're on Mars, but you're surrounded by a rainforest. So the smith river down there is generally known for being close to the jed smith redwood state park so the tallest trees on earth some of the biggest trees on earth are like right there but then you go over a couple ridge lines and it feels like you're in the desert and that is all due to this really unique geology this uplift from the ocean that just created this really you know there's just not much soil on there and so the river stays incredibly clear You know, it's really erratic. It jumps up and down and up and down. And, you know, you need the shuttle driver, barefoot Brad out there to kind of set you straight, let you know when it's safe to do it when it's not. But when you're on the river, it's it's something else. There's a million waterfalls that spill into it, primarily in the winter and spring when you can raft it. There's the Darlingtonia, these insect eating plants. And there's just so much to appreciate about that segment. Um, It's a one day trip. I don't think people typically do an overnight in there. Although I've heard of people who do it at low water, which sounds pretty fun. Um, man, what else can we say about the North, the North Fork Smith? It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's up there. It's really, it's unique um which we said about a lot of these but you know you've got deserts in oregon you've got rainforest and now you have just something that is in between so um anything else you want to add on the on the north fork smith either uh zach or Jerry? I, mean, I would
2: it is a rainforest so it gets a ridiculous amount of rain i don't have that number in front of me but it gets a lot of rain it's just because of the geology the forest doesn't grow right there and mm-hmm. if you start paddling it in oregon you go through a, what is typically seen as a rainforest the whole river corridors just covered in trees overhanging it's incredibly lush but as soon as that geology changes near the california border it gets the same amount of rain it just doesn't look like a rainforest it looks like a desert but it is far from a desert is is very wet there yeah and
0: i I do want to mention i want to shout out uh, my friend uh, adam spencer who does i think he still runs commercial trips on the north fork smith it's tough to plan those because not unlike the Oahe it's it's a temperamental river that is rising and falling so you got to catch it at the right time but if you do want to experience like one of the really remote unique places on earth you can do it with an outfitter um and so so that's you know if you're not a big boater like you can make it happen and I think that's a cool deal and uh so yeah if you want to do that trip the name of the outfitter is Redwood Rides and he is based down there in Hiuchi and Gaski. California. All right. Well, Jared, we are coming to you. We're in the fourth round. You've got the rogue McKenzie and Shoots, which are, that's, that's looking pretty good to me. Um, what are you going to, what are you going to do for number four? It's starting to get a little thin.
1: Okay. So I have, uh, I have one more, uh, great overnight trip for kids. This is one that we, we recently revisited. My family did. Uh, we went over to the grand Ronde in, uh, in Northeastern Oregon. Uh, it flows through the Blue Mountains into uh, into the Snake River eventually, and um, it's it is a, a lot of good reasons to to be family friendly late in the season. Um, it's it's starting to come down now to where it's it's really it's a Class Two river. There there really isn't any Class Three on it at the uh, the current water levels. Um, it it's not it's not very long. It's it's uh, you can you can make it as short as a, about thirty six miles. Or you can go all the way to the Snake and take out at Heller Bar, and um, it's it's beautiful scenery. Uh, you know, you're you're going through a forest, you're in a canyon, and it's another one of those for for the first three days you don't see much of the outside world, and uh, and and the kids love it. The water can warm up in the in the summertime and and be pretty pleasant to to play in. There's there's always a lot of uh, birds over there to see. Um, it's it's a, it's a beautiful place. And, and I, I really love that, that corner of the state as well, just for the scenery.
0: So Jared, this is another one that I'm, I'm planning to do hopefully this summer. And interestingly it's, you know, because of all the high water this year, like it's, it feels like there's a better chance to do it this year later into the summer than normal. But tell me about the, the crowds and the campsites there. So I mean, if you're going on a weekend, are you going to have trouble scoring a good campsite? Cause you know, uh, because of how many people are out there or are you generally okay? Or tell me about that scene.
1: Uh I think it's generally okay. I think, um, it, it's more popular in the spring when it's higher. And as, as the, uh, the water levels start to drop, uh, people start to go elsewhere. So, um, and the, the campsites there, all of them are just awesome. They're, uh, they're, they're beautiful. They, almost all of them are in the trees. Um, there was some fire damage from a, a fire they had close to Troy last year. So some of the, the camps as you get close to Troy have been burned up on the, on the North side of the river. All of the South side camps are still good. And, uh, and some of those, you know, they're, they're sandy beaches or they're sandy camps and uh, there's plenty of shade. Um, it, it's just a, it's a beautiful area.
0: One thing I wanted to ask you about as well is that it is to make clear. Is so you started it. Uh, where where's the put in spot? Because you follow the Wallowa River and then it reaches the Grand Ron River. So so just cover that dynamic a little bit.
1: Yeah. So you start right at the confluence of the Minam and the Wallowa River and Minam at the bridge, and um and your first eight miles, I think it is, you're on the on the Willowa. and then the uh, the Grand Ron joins in. Um, about eight miles into your trip and then you're that that's when you're really in the wild and scenic part of that trip there's a sign that tells you that that you're there and um and yeah after that it's the the river level increases a little bit there's more water down in that section So
0: gotcha and typically how many days are are you going to be out there like you know if it's a if it's just a
1: you know normal trip is it three days two nights generally it's pretty easy to float it in three days, even at like the lowest I've done it is 1,200. And, uh, and we, we did it in a three-day float, and we did it one, one layover day. So we, we uh, made our trip a, a four-day trip, and we took out at the Pawatka Bridge, which is the, the first takeout point. Um, there, there are other takeouts you can use uh, down below that. There's another one in between there and Troy. There's a takeout in Troy. Then there's, I, I believe, there's one at uh, Boggins which is downstream further. So you can, you can kind of tune how far along you go.
0: And the nature of this is it's, it's forested mountains, correct? It's not, it's not desert because it's in that Northeast part of the state where you're kind of on the edge of the deserts and the kind of the beginning of the Wallowa and blue mountains. So is the character mostly, you know, a mix of forest mountains and deserts or what does that, what does it kind of look like?
1: Uh, so from from the uh, from Minam to Troy it is mostly forest. And then once you get mm-hmm. east of Troy then it starts to become more of like the uh, the Snake River where um it's open rolling hills and and more desert looking.
0: This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. The last 2 years have been tough on the beaches and trails of the Tillamook Coast with more people flocking to the area in search of outdoor activities comes a spike in the appearance of trash along roads, trails, and beaches. Be part of the solution and make a point at helping curb this problem. Dispose of your trash and designated receptacles and practice leave-no-trace visitation. Make it a habit to bring a trash bag along in your hike or beach walk and pick up at least three pieces of trash along your way. It may seem like a drop in the bucket, but every little bit makes a difference. Learn more about how you can help by visiting www.tillamuckcoast.com and downloading the Tillamook Coast Pledge. You can help preserve the legacy of beautiful trails and beaches for generations to come. All right, so... So, Zach, uh, you've got the Illinois, the Oahe, and the Crooked so far. Where are you going to go with your uh, number four pick? I
2: have one I can't believe you guys haven't hit. I feel like my set of (laughs) rivers is a masterpiece with this last one. This is my last one, but I get two more. You get two more. because I was going to go Grand Ron. That was a good choice, Jared. I I missed that. I I really wanted Grand Ron. That would have been a real beautiful one for my, my feather, my cap. But this one is the Upper Klamath, and this is a mecca for whitewater boaters. Uh, it's, it flows through the Southern part of Oregon it actually goes into California, but within Oregon is this 11 mile class four section that has water all summer long and the dams are being removed. So the, the summer water is going to go away in a few years and there'll be different sections of the upper Klamath people can boat. But for now the Hills corner section is, is absolutely amazing. If you like whitewater, if you don't like rapids, it's not, I wouldn't go to it, but if you like rapids, it's one of the best trips in Oregon.
0: Yeah, the upper Klamath is uh that's uh, commercially run. Do you do you run the Upper Klamath? I know our, our pal uh Will Volpert is always uh you know
2: talking about his Upper Klamath trip.
0: Do you run that <laughs> we one don't. commercially? No, we don't. Okay.
1: We
2: only well it's we, we it... only do overnight trips. So that's a day trip gotcha. and that's the one that we don't do. But Will with Indigo Creek and Pete with Momentum, they both run trips there.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember they, they were talking about, it's going to be an interesting dynamic yep. for what happens when the dams are removed, because on one hand it's great. Everybody supports it. Um, but it's going to change the nature of that. Because like you were mentioning right now, it's this like whitewater thrill ride because the dams supply yep. those summer flows. And then that goes away and you're like, well, what's going to, new stuff is going to emerge. It'll be kind of a, a new experience. But what do you, what do you think? Like, Two more years, three more years when you can kind of do this this really wild stretch of river?
2: Yeah, I don't predict the federal government ever. So <laughs> I, I, maybe, something like that, I would ask an expert. But in some number of years from now, this section will not have reliable summer flows. And so it's worth doing it now mm-hmm. if you've never done it, because it won't be something you do during the summer uh, at some point.
0: Yeah, and I mean to to echo what you said, it's like riding like just a crazy fucking yeah. fucking bronco or yep. something where you're just it's nonstop. The rapids are not like the waves are just like they they kick your butt. It's moderately terrifying <laughs> um, if you're if, if you're kind of new to it because you're just like whoa, is this ever going to stop? And the answer is no. It's it's just not going to stop. So. Wow, geez, Zach, you've got the Illinois, the Oahe, yeah. the Crooked River, the Upper Clam, That's that's pretty strong. So what what do you got for your last one, number five,
2: to, to round out your spot? Oh, man, this is so hard because, Jacob, you got my North Fork at the Smith, and Jared, you got the Grand Ronde. Uh, I'm going to go finally with my backyard river, the Hood River. And mm-hmm. I live here in, in Hood River, and the Hood is a class three section. It's not done commercially. I mean, a few people do it commercially. But for anybody who lives in Hood River or Portland, it's just a great class, refund trip. It takes a few hours. It's beautiful. It's forgiving. Uh, it's just it's a nice afternoon trip. And my my favorite trip personally, uh, close to my house because it's easy.
0: Yeah, I I have to tell like this story because I, I always remember it. So like I've been I've passed through Hood River and I've stopped and hung out with Zach a few times. And we've kayaked the Hood River together, I think twice and both times like this isn't a hard <laughs> river necessarily. Both times I've swam. And one of the times was in front of like professional kayakers, uh, which was just real embarrassing uh, for me. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the Hood River because I have. I've embarrassed myself by swimming in front of professional (laughs) kayakers, and I'm not sure if I'm ever going to live that down, so I'm not sure if I'm coming back to the hood, but maybe someday I can just get a nice little nice little clean run on there. Anyway, wow, Zach, that's a pretty strong uh, selection there, so we'll we'll see at the end kind of where it stacks up. So Jared, you are up with your fifth and final selection. What you got?
1: okay so for my fifth and final selection I'm going to pick another uh, close one to to home and that'd be the Malala river um, the uh, the up, upper section uh, it just it just recently reopened not too long ago after after the uh, the fires um, it's still a, a beautiful run uh, you go through some amazing lush green canyons um, the white water is really consistent Um Uh, it's the three bear section is, is a lot of fun in a, in a kayak or a raft and, and you just don't, uh, you don't see a lot of people run it. It's very uncommon to go up there and, and do a trip on that, on that, uh, river on the weekend and run into another group of boaters at all. And, and really it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty close. You know, it's only an hour from Portland to get up there.
0: Well, Jared, let let me ask you this then. I mean, f- season wise, what's what's generally the season on the Malala? Because it's a little bit longer. It's not like a exclusively like hardcore rainy season one, um, but it's also not a summer run,
1: correct? Uh, yes, usually by about now, it's it's running out of water for rafts. Um, you can still kayak it down pretty low, but it's it's a, a different animal. Um, springtime flows would really be the time to catch it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a special place. It's really pretty up there. Yeah, it
0: is beautiful. And it's definitely overlooked that whole entire Malala river corridor. And I haven't been back since the the wildfires, but it's another place that has great waterfall hikes that are underrated. There's, there's, there's a lot of really good stuff to do in the Malala area that I don't know, maybe it's just because it's stuck between like Salem and Portland and, like both towns have kind of their thing that Malala definitely gets, gets overlooked. So yeah, cool. Good ones. You got, that's, that's pretty strong too. You've got the rogue McKenzie Deschutes, uh, grand Ronde and Malala. That's, that's a nice selection too. So Jacob, you're up for your final pick. So, so what do you got?
3: Okay. So the main stem of the John day river has already been picked, but I'm going to grab the North fork of the John day river. I feel it's distinct enough that it counts as its own segment.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah.
3: And I really like that section. The part I've done is more kayaker centric, um, starting in near, they call it granite, but I don't know if it's a real town, but it ends in Dale and it's a great overnight run that runs off of snowmelt. Um, and it's one of the higher elevation put-ins in Oregon at over 5,000 feet. Now, if you're a rafter, there's another great section that starts in dale and goes down to monument and uh so those two sections combined makes it a a top river in my mind
0: yeah now jared i know that you have a decent amount of experience on the north fork john day uh especially on that that second part that he, he just talked about so one of the things that I've I heard about this and sounds really cool is you kind of start in the in the mountain forest and then transition out into the desert is that can you describe it a little bit is that accurate
1: yeah and it, the other interesting thing is um, the one side of the river has more vegetation than the other because it, it flows um, east-west for a while while you're on it and then it, it starts to go more south as you get closer to Monument. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful river, also great camps and, um, and you, you might see a rancher on it, but, uh, you're not going to see a lot of people that's for sure. And the fishing can be good as well.
0: And Jared, when, um, I mean, that's, is it a summer river? Like, cause I've heard it's, it's another one that is borderline family friendly, um, for 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 kind of a raft trip. So I mean, how many days are you usually doing it, and what are the logistics kind of set up if you do want to take your family, you know, on a rafting trip down this section?
1: Uh, so you can start in Dale. There's, a, I guess, it's actually there's a, a bridge off of three ninety five. You um, cross and you launch where they uh, where water trucks pull in to take water out of the the river if there's a fire nearby. Is what the the owner of the Dale store told me, and um and you you float down to Monument. That's the next takeout, um which is oh man, um uh, it's probably like a forty mile float, and it's it's similar to the Grand Ronde in that there's not a lot of flat spots on it. None of it's really hard, but it just never slows down that much. So it's it's uh, pretty easy to make miles. It's it's not like that. That last day getting to Cottonwood Canyon State Park on the John Day when the water is low, and, mm-hmm. and you're just uh, you're having to roll your butt off. It just it will always push you along, and, and it's easy to make miles.
0: Gotcha. But uh, you know, among that that list of sort of like family friendly, like cool raft trips that are they're an adventure, like you know, you got the John Day uh, the Grand Ronde, the Deschutes. And then this one kind of fits into that, that family a little bit, doesn't it?
1: Yes. It's, it's definitely a great family trip. None of the rapids you have to worry about. And, um, and yeah, the, the camps are great. The fishing's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great family trip. It's, it's probably overlooked by quite a few people. And now that there's a permit system in place on the lower John day, you know, it's, it, uh, it makes you kind of want to go explore the upper John day basin a little more because you don't have to go through the permitting process because it isn't so popular yet.
0: Yeah. That's, that's kind of been my thought. Like I love the lower John day so much. I want to, I want to check up this, the the North fork of it. So yeah, that's definitely on the list. All right. Well, it's up to me to make the final selection. And so I'm kind of like going through my list, the one I'm going to pick the Willamette, but like all stretches of the Willamette. So as you get up in the upper stretches of the Willamette River, like when it's, you know, a fun cascade stream, there's the North Fork of the Middle Fork of the Willamette River, which has to set a record for like the number of syllables in the name of a river. Um, And that one's, you know, outside of Eugene. And it's just really beautiful. You would never recognize the Willamette River up there. It's primarily a a kayak stretch. It's it's one that uh, whitewater boaters in Eugene, really love. Um, the, the river is incredibly beautiful. Um, you know, just emerald corridor and then you get down to the middle fork and I know people run that stretch and then you get down to the main stem Willamette, which we've actually talked about a decent bit as like the ultimately like lazy river, uh, you know, trip, but the Willamette water trail does allow you to, to camp on the side. There's pretty limited, if any, rapids on the main stem Willamette. But if you follow the Willamette water trail in a canoe or even in a raft, there are great campsites that are right in your backyard. You'd be surprised at how quiet the Willamette river can be just in between towns like, you know, Salem and Portland, like you wouldn't think so, but there's great wildlife. There are great camps. Um, It doesn't necessarily fit with the theme we've been talking about, but you know, if you start up way upstream, you get the whitewater experience. Then it mellows out, and then it really mellows out. Um, so I've done a decent number of trips on there, but there's a whole bunch of you know, ones that we haven't hit on. And, Zach, I can't believe you didn't pick the Chetco. What, what's,
2: what's that about? Well, it, it's an amazing trip, <laughs> but only a handful of people can do the Chetco. I, I don't want to throw it out there that's so inaccessible that it doesn't make sense for most people.
0: But don't you run? Are you still doing your outfitted outfitted trips on we the Chet trips
2: there, but I don't recommend people do it, honestly. It is a hard trip. Uh, it's a place that, to me, is very special, and I love this trip. And a, a handful of hearty people I'll take there every year. But it is not for even close to the average person. That's a brutal trip.
0: Okay. All right. Well. Fair <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go through what each of you guys have picked. And then, I don't know, like... I'm not sure if we're going to vote or what's going to go on here. So, Zach, you've got the Illinois, the Owahi, the Crooked, the Upper Klamath, and the Hood River. Uh, Jared, you've got the Rogue, McKenzie, Deschutes, uh, Wallawa, Grand Ronde, and the Malala. That's, that's a good strong. list. And, Jacob, you've got the Clack, the Sandy, the Upper Deschutes, uh, the North Fork, of the Smith. I yeah. can't believe I didn't get that one. Man. And the North Fork, John Day, that's pretty yeah. good. And I've got the Lower John Day. The North Umpqua, the North Sanium, the White Salmon, and the Willamette. Um, so I don't know how do you guys how do you guys feel? Who do you who do you think came away the winner? I'm actually gonna vote for Jared. Ouch! Just because, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I just like and he's got the ones that are like the most accessible, I guess,
2: for what I'm looking
0: for personally. But I don't
2: know. I mean, he has a great list. When I hear those all those rivers, he has a great list.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Jacob, what what do you think? Like, how how strongly do you feel about your list, or who who'd you pick? Oh,
3: I'm I'm voting for, I'm voting for Zach Collier here. Those are some pretty <laughs> awesome Oregoners.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Jared, you're gonna have to break the tie because I actually voted for you. Zach's got two votes, so we're either gonna be in a stalemate here, or or Collier is gonna take it.
1: Oh man, I I think I'm probably gonna have to go with Zach's list. Um, the- oh, what? No. <laughs>
0: all right well zach congratulations you You are you are victorious in this completely made up uh river draft that we we came up here (laughs) with um so i'm gonna send you your prize in the mail so just you know be ready be prepared for that
2: yeah thanks hopefully it's a crown do i get a crown
0: uh yep Uh, my daughters actually have a whole bunch of tiaras. So are you okay with the tiara? I'll accept the instead tiara. Yep. I'll accept okay. Well, I'll expect you to wear it on one of your next, uh, next time we get on yep. the river, I'll present it to you in a, in a ceremony <laughs> befitting of your river knowledge. Um, well, anyway, it's been a lot of fun. We have talked about a lot of different rivers, um so once again i've been talking to zach collier the owner of northwest rafting company uh zach can you just do a quick uh, promo for the different rivers you run and that kind of stuff we
2: do the two of the trips i mentioned the Owahi in illinois we also do the chetco which i don't recommend because it's hard but unless you <laughs> like beautiful places in pain and the rogue river and the salmon river in idaho all right, Jacob. So
0: what about you? Uh, any, any parting words of wisdom or, uh, you know, things you want to promote or books or anything like that?
3: Uh, I just want to mention American Whitewater. They protect our rivers and make sure that we've got clean, uh, accessible places to go paddling. Uh, they do a ton of work and they work hard for us. So American Whitewater, I wanted to give a mention and a thank you to them.
0: Cool. All right. Well, it has been fantastic talking with all you river experts about all the cool places to go in Oregon. Yeah. So thanks for being with us. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you like what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com slash explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. For our environment, for our economy, and for the future, learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's TillamookCoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.